Okay, we'll be just uh, waiting for one more minute or two, two more minutes for more people to join, and then we'll start. So, uh, how's it going? Go, how's it going with you, Ruben? Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I guess you haven't been to the club in a few weeks or a few months. Uh, a month. A month. Yeah. 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 A month. I, I've been back there just to um, meet up with a people, a couple of people that work in downtown. So, but it's quiet. <laughs> Let's just say. It's getting, it's getting bit. Yeah, maybe quiet during the day. It's getting busier at night. Usually, yeah. like Thursdays, Friday nights is it's actually quite it's actually quite lively in there. Oh really? Oh, I'm yeah. usually during the day. Yeah. 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 Well, now I'm stuck because my daughter has spring break, so I'm stuck at home for the next two weeks. <laughs> Wait, why are you stuck at home if she has spring break? <laughs> yeah, you can figure out. Well, I got, we got like we got nothing to do out there. Yeah, I, I totally missed well, out on the spring camps, you know, to uh, to uh, put my put her in. But I totally missed out uh, on signing her up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you're at the spring camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so then uh, uh, when the summer camps came online, I just quickly jumped on it. So I'm like, I'm not gonna miss this. Yeah. So she's loaded up. Okay, who else? We are waiting for a couple more individuals, or three more actually. Oh, yeah, pack house. This session ended up being more popular, as you expected, Jonathan. Well, yeah. Oh, really? But then you know what though? Like, um, there's always been a like. It looks like there's a good turnout, and then suddenly the sh the actual people that show up don't really materialize what was signed up <laughs> yeah yeah i think the best turnouts was the uh, choose your religion actually that was consistent oh yeah yeah that was consistent yeah yeah and those were in person those were nice yeah and that and it was in person i must admit yeah yeah okay no worries the other folks mm. Give it another two minutes. <laughs> because I want to, yeah, I want to respect everyone's time. So give another two minutes. I'm not muted. <laughs> oh, mommy, why you are muted? I don't know. Not. Not on mommy's phone. No, you can go to mommy. <laughs> the perils of working from home. Oh God. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, how many folks do we have now? Oh, all right. Okay, um, let's start. Welcome everyone to a Terminal City Club lunch exchange. Uh, my name is Jonathan Chan. I am a member at the Terminal City Club, and uh, just uh, I hosted the I host these uh, lunch exchanges. Uh, I've, I think for about uh, two, almost three years now. Uh, as as long as I can remember, actually, I've uh, been with the club for about five years. 
And so welcome to a, another monthly lunch exchange. I'm so happy that uh, all of you can join us today. Uh, we have some uh, guest facilitators as well with us. I think uh, uh, they're here. They're all here. Let me just quickly check. Uh, yes, they're, they're all here. So our guest facilitators uh, uh, today will be uh, Moses Yeung, Kevin Wong, and uh, Ruben. And so uh, they'll introduce themselves as we move along. But uh, today we'll be talking about short selling, GameStop, and a whole host of things, uh, Robinhood, social media, uh, because it was on the news uh, two months ago. We're a little late. It happened two months ago, but the story still exists. It's just not in the headlines uh, because apparently there's still some activity going on with that. So we're going to talk about that today. And so before we begin, I uh, just want to make sure that everyone sees the PowerPoint. Does everyone see the PowerPoint? Just, uh, if you don't, just let me know uh, through a message or something. But uh, it should be shared on uh, your screen, um, hopefully. And so we will move on. Now, the budgeted time to end is at 1.05 because we start at 12.05. And I'm going to promise that everyone that because of all of us, we probably have busy schedules. I want to respect everybody's time. And uh, so we'll just keep it uh, to, we'll budget to end at 1.05. All right. So let's move on. So here's the outline for today. Uh, the outline is uh, basically we're going to do an, a quick icebreaker to get to know each other because this is really a lunch exchanges are uh, the one one of the purposes for the lunch exchange is to get to know each other to connect, especially when we are so apart uh, and just meeting on Zoom. Um, I think uh, our lunch exchanges were so much better when we were in the boardroom, but uh, oh well. Due to the current circumstances, we're meeting on Zoom, but uh, we'll start off with an icebreaker first and uh, just to get to know each other. And uh, second, I'm going, uh, I'm going to have our guests introduce themselves. And then uh, we'll go into a quick synopsis of what in the world happened with GameStop and uh, Amco, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm going to have our, our guests to provide some synopsis on that. And then uh, more insight uh, on, from our guests with regards to the overall climate. And then uh, I'm going to facilitate the ethical dilemma discussion, uh, if there is one, and then final word. All right. It's, uh, so let's uh, go over to the icebreaker. Now, am I going too quickly? Is everybody okay with the speed? Because I tend to talk fast. So my apologies if I do. All right. Okay, so basically, uh, the icebreaker is tell us your name and uh, just um, a fun fact about yourself lately. So a name, your name, and a fun fact about yourself. So I will start just to kick it off and to not set the standard bar so high. Uh, my name is Jonathan, as I told you guys. And the one fun fact about myself is that I have started practicing the piano again. And like, uh, I'm dusting off some of my uh, diploma music and some harder music and realize that my fingers are not as <laughs> flexible <laughs> as they used to. And uh, amazingly enough, I break out a sweat mid-flight of my piece. So uh, hence, uh, I realize how much, more, how much work I have left to uh, uh, make up for. <laughs> so yes, a fun fact about myself is that I started practicing piano again. Who's next? Who would like to introduce themselves? Uh, I'll go next. 
Okay. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm Ruben, and I've been at the club now for two years. You know, I think attended most of the lunch exchanges in the past year and a half, virtual and in person. And a fun fact about myself is, uh, I think I used this last time, but I actually, I love pandas. So if you have anything like panda related, you can definitely send that over. Maybe one day we'll do a lunch exchange on pandas and similar animals. But I, so yeah, so I, I think pandas are amazing. If one day I get to hold a panda, I think you can do that in China and some other places. That'd be incredible. <laughs> That's a really cool fun fact. I think I have a friend that loves uh, penguins. <laughs> That's another one. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you, Ruben. Who else wants to set go to get a go? I guess we have to get this over with, right? <laughs> and Dan Marsman, I don't know how long I've been a member. Maybe four years. Um, I don't know how fun it is, but I have. Uh, I guess I have an obsession with trying to keep tropical plants alive during the winter. That's a challenge. I don't know if that's fun, but it is for me. It's a challenge. Yeah, but it's a fun fact. You're keeping tropical yeah, yeah. plants. Yeah, yeah, that's really looks cool. great in the summertime, but wintertime, I'm I'm out there monitoring a little greenhouse with them all trying to survive. So, do you do a makeshift greenhouse, or do you actually have a big shed like a? No, no, no. I just a little five by five. I put up just for the winter. Oh wow! So you're like shielding it. I got, um, yeah, so it's, it looks nice in the summer, but it's uh, winters are interesting. This one was easy mm -hmm. this winter. Uh, you should share some pictures if you can later. Well, not now, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dan. Who's next? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go. I'm Elmira. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Elmira. I was just thought it was an easy transition being my fun fact is not that I can keep plants alive because mine are not doing well. So if you have any tips, please. Um, I'm Elmira. I've recently joined the club. Um, and this, uh, one of my clients, I'm a PR and communications consultant. And one of my clients is actually a crypto exchange, a legit crypto exchange. Um, so that's had me really paying attention to this subject. So excited that you guys are putting this on happy to learn more. Um, and uh, I'm finding the pandemic fun. Is that a fun fact? I like, I really love life right now. I know that's, I feel really guilty saying that out loud, but I'm, it, it's good. I like the different pace of life and just doing all the things that I'm doing. So that's kind of my fun, but unfair fact, I guess. Can you elaborate on that? I would love to know why it's uh... Yeah, you know, um, so given my industry and also I actually used to run a public relations and social media agency, which I sold in 2018. But given, you know, running a business with offices in Vancouver, Toronto and LA, I was traveling all the time. Um, and also just being a PR, you're at events, you're networking. And now I'm actually really enjoying not having anywhere to go. And I also have a three-year-old. So I have so much more balance in my life. Um, I also got a personal trainer. So I go to the gym twice a week with him. And then I go to the gym four other days and I cook. And at night I meditate and read books. I'm just really living my best life. And I, again, I, I feel very privileged to be able to say this. Um, and it's like, I know this is not everybody's experience of the pandemic, but I'm really just having a lot of fun with life, given the, the change in life and the change of pace. Mm. Yeah. And I've read a lot of books, a lot. So it's been good. Which is your recent one? Uh, right now I'm finally after, oh my gosh, eight years reading, um, rich dad, poor dad, which oh, is crazy. Right, like, right. You know, all the things I'm looking at my lit, my books and I still have 25 more to read. Um, but you know what? I have to say my favorite has actually been Alicia Keys' book, um, More Myself. 
really, really great read. It's mm. been awesome. So I'd highly recommend that one. I'm, um, I'm still slotting through Obama's book, the recent one. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that would be on my list. Um, and uh, I'm also, I'm super, again, because my client is a crypto client, I'm, I'm into Bitcoin, obviously, and I'm reading the Bitcoin standard, right. which actually reading about the monetary system has been really interesting. Um, and I have Michelle Obama's book on the list. So those are the next two. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, Obama's the recent one, um, the promise yeah, the, line is, yeah. is uh, quite heavy. It's a, yeah, yeah, I've heard. Quite yeah. lengthy and heavy, yeah. Yeah. But awesome, thank you, Amira. Cool. Okay, Kevin, you're next because you were about to. <laughs> sure, no problem. Uh, I'm Kevin. Um, uh, I have a background in finance. I do, you know, research on stocks and stuff like that. And so Jonathan asked me to come to, uh, you know, provide some knowledge where I can. I'm not an expert, but uh, fun fact about myself. I don't know. I guess because I've a uh, background in finance i like spreadsheets and like i'm always a curious person to know what's going on so i'll keep spreadsheet of the most oddball things and somehow i went back to just to figure out how many times i cut my hair in any given year so uh it seems a little nerdy but it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> so so if the rate of your cutting your hair goes up it's actually a good thing right but if it goes down it's not a good thing well, it's funny. I think it's the year that I got married, which is I don't know, seven years ago. That year, I cut my hair more often, and then now it's just getting a little longer and longer, just because I don't know. I guess partly because of the pandemic, but oh, okay. maybe I'm just too lazy. <laughs> well, as long as it's not the reason of less hair to cut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I have pretty thick hair, so I, um, yeah. So uh, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin is one of our guests, so, so uh, he so he came in to uh, um, help us out to facilitate our conversation this morning, uh, th today. And uh, you know, a good point that Kevin made. Um, we are here to discuss and share ideas and share knowledge to learn from each other. That's hence that's why it's an exchange. Uh, we don't claim to be experts. I don't claim to be ex expert in any of the topics that I facilitate that I hold. Um, like, uh, but I I just uh, open the space and create a space for us so that. Uh, all of us can actually exchange ideas and knowledge uh, among ourselves to learn from each other. All right, who's next? There's only two left, I think. I'm going to call it Carolyn. She should go first. <laughs> all right. Hello. Hi. Okay. Hey, hold on. Hi, guys. Hi, I'm Carolyn, uh, Moses' wife. <laughs> I am off work today, so uh, I am going to listen in on what he has to say. I am currently trying to make pancakes while listening to your <laughs> webinar and take care of these two monkeys <laughs> and respond to work texts. So that's the norm during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. so, I don't know how it's not busy for you, Elmira, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I envy it that you have time to uh, read a book because I don't daycare, know last time I read daycare a daycare and my parents. That is the <laughs> only way. And he is at, it's spring break right now and he's at my parents napping. It is only thanks to my parents. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the key. Yeah, that's the key. Oh, and a fun oh, fact. Piano books yesterday. So uh, we'll take you on, John. Moses printed something out and put it in front of me to play. So, ah, uh, yeah. There's a fun fact for all of all of you that uh, Carolyn used to be a classmate of mine in piano school. 
way back when we were a long what? Time ago. 13? A long time ago. Long time ago. 13 years old? 12 years old? <laughs> that was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, let's bring it on. Uh, we pulled out La, La Campagnola by list. Oh, nice. I'm attacking. I'm attacking the Hungarian Rhapsody right now by Lit. Oh, yeah. one. <laughs> Number two. Number two. Number two. All right, Moses, you're up, and then hey. we'll move on. Same school, same teachers, limited repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Moses. Uh, I am one of the guest speakers today. I, like Kevin, do not claim to be a um, expert in GameStop, only because. It's not an area that we really, it's not the trading style, it's not the air, um, what we really trade um, on the professional side, but I do have insight into, I guess, some of the nuances and some of the market microstructure of why it happens. Um, I've been a capital markets trading professional for probably 10 of the over last 20 years. I stepped away from it for about seven years um, until... Uh, one of the banks here uh, needed someone and came knocking on my door. Um, until two days ago when there was a major restructuring and I now no longer work for the bank. Um, so I am more free, but I'm a pretty open book. Uh, fun fact about myself, um, something I picked up again. Uh, when my eight-year-old was five, she got a Rubik's Cube for school or sorry from a party and i figured out how to do it for her sake because she didn't understand why i refused to mess it up for her um so i picked it up again after not having done it for quite a bit uh, i can still do it under three minutes but nothing close to being a speed cuber three minutes that's still good yeah <laughs> i think i was doing it at two but that was my peak but yeah i can't i can't put all that effort into memorize all the all the algos Oh, jeez! Yeah. All right, that is a that's an interesting fact, actually. Yeah. Okay, all right. Thank you, everyone. Well, welcome everyone for this lunch exchange, and thank you for sharing a fun fact about yourselves. And uh, now we get to know a little bit more about each other. So let's move on. Uh, so uh, the guests already introduced themselves, but Ruben, can you uh, elaborate on what you do? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm an expert in data and decision making. Uh, so I typically work with companies and help them sort through their data, build reports, mine it for insights. Uh, so I do a lot of work in technology, uh, done it now for I don't know, five years, 10 years. So I think all the technology related stuff is relevant. And I do also have a, crypto uh, a cryptocurrency client right now, one of the biggest exchanges here in Canada. So I've also seen firsthand some of the, the impact that that happened on GameStop, which is also happening on all the cryptocurrencies. Okay, now I am looking forward to this guy, uh, discussion because now we, uh, I wasn't expecting crypto uh, currencies uh, to be uh, in play here, but uh, I definitely would love to learn from uh, uh, both Almira and Ruben as well with regards to that. So thank you all. And uh, so that, those are our guests. I, um, Moses and Kevin already introduced themselves and what they do and why they can speak into this uh, or what they can offer. So let's move on, shall we? Okay, so uh, the question is for all of us, actually. What do you know thus far? Now, I'm not going to have the uh, facilitators uh, to uh, say anything because they're gonna, I'm going to leave them to uh, conclude what we know, okay? So uh, we could uh, take turns if you want or just blurt it out. Uh, and it's, not, it's very casual. So uh, I could ask, I'm going to ask Dan, Almira, uh, Ruben, because, uh, you know, 
and um, Carolyn on uh, and just to offer, what do you know thus far about this whole GameStop, Robinhood short selling thing? Uh, what do you know thus far? For myself, I'll kick it off. For myself, the first thing that when I heard about GameStop's uh, scenario was uh, two movies that came into my mind. One was Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy back in 1986. And, uh, and uh, another one, uh, some of you already pretty know, is The Big Short by uh, starring Ryan Goslin and Christian Bale and uh, Steve... I can't remember his last name. So anyway, it's like, um, so the first thing that came to my mind was those two movies. And, uh, and interesting enough, like uh, what come, comes next was like, wait, okay, what is short selling, right? So I'm not quite familiar with it, but all I know is that there's something to do with borrowing, something to do with selling. A, uh, the basic thing is to do with borrowing and then and selling at a, uh, at, a, at a, like hopefully the stock goes down and you like, and then when you have to buy it again, you buy it low so that you make that margin. So that's all I know. And then, then the next thing I knew uh, about GameStop scenario was that there was a bunch of people on social media called Reddit and they knew about that these, there's a lot of these short sellers uh, short selling this stock, their beloved stock, GameStop. And so the uh, one guy or two, I can't remember, gathered up a bunch of people, knew that there was going to be a bunch of short sellers uh, predicting that GameStop stock is going to fall because it's overvalued. And they just bought tons of it and uh, um, increased the price to, to the stratosphere, apparently. And uh, I can't remember by how much percent, like 400% or something. And, uh, and a lot of the uh, hedge fund managers who were, going to, who were shorting it uh, lost a lot of money. And uh, in other words, they were, uh, I think I read the, in one of the articles, they were short squeezed. Is that the terminology? So that's, that's how much I knew. And uh, so very layman. Very novice. I that's I just read it and uh, and because I'm more into uh, the whole ethics side, a lot of questions in my mind came up. Going now, is that really ethical? Like, what is short selling anyway? Is it ethical? And also, the Reddit guys are they doing anything anything unethical here? So that's what my questions are. So how about you guys? What do you know thus far? Like, uh, what were you? What did you read? What were some highlights? And what do you want to know more of? I'll leave it up to you guys here. Um, I guess I'll jump in. It's Almira. Um, why I'm so interested in this is that I actually don't understand how they managed to pull off short selling. And like, it's in my mind, ethically, it's not a good thing, but I, I get that they get away with it and Wall Street gets away with it. Um, but I'm actually on a couple of WhatsApp chats of Stockwatch and CryptoWatch. And the guys in my group actually started chatting about it and what was going down. So um, I, I joke that parenthood keeps me in my bubble. I don't know what happens in the world sometimes. <laughs> so it was thanks to these guys that I saw I, that I knew something was happening and that it was the people on Reddit who were, um, uh, it, the, this, there, there was the um, stock was available. And again, this is like such a, um, a basic understanding that I have of this is, is that they were talking about the stock and about how the, the hedge funds were short selling it and they were get, getting super mad about the whole thing, essentially that and AMC. Um, and then understanding the fallout and everything. And then in the larger picture, again, because I work with a crypto client is the president of the company was explaining about, um, you know, DeFi, decentralized finance, you know, the bigger impacts in the bigger world and about crypto. But for me, it comes down to the basic of wanting to understand more about short selling and how this even happened in the first place. And then super happy that people were standing up to this bad practice. 
Okay, thank you, Amira. Yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit about the whole, uh, well, I guess the ethical side of things on the, the short selling. Anybody else want to chime in? Dan, Carolyn, what do you guys know thus far? Or Ruben? Sure. Yeah, I'll jump in. Uh, so yeah, so I've been actually watching the the, the Wall Street bets subreddit grow over the past couple of years. Uh, Reddit is one of the few sites I, I visit consistently. So I've seen their influence grow, and it's um, it was so surprising, of course, to see their impact outside in the real world, not just you know in an online community. Uh, other than that, uh, I've been watching, of course, the the sell on and the up and down. I think GameStop is still technically going up and down. It's still quite volatile. Uh, I'd probably be mostly interested in the ethical side of things uh, and the ethical discussion behind short selling and, of course, what happened with uh, with the individual investors. Right. Right. Thank you, Ruben. Okay, I got a, I got a comment for people that have strong feelings about short selling. Mm. Before, before you, they should try it. And then spend some time shorting, and then and then you'll have a different view of it. Yeah, like uh, thank you, Kitan. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that that's why Kevin and Moses are here uh, yeah. to just offer a more uh, maybe another uh, opinion on it. Yeah, because right now uh, I agree with you, Dan. It's like uh, at this moment the current media or media stream. Uh, if you're not reading Business Week or Economist, the current media is actually. Uh, what is it? De demonizing the short sellers. Right. right. So uh, is that the right word? Yeah, demonizing the short seller. And uh, I think uh, that's a good conversation. That's why we're discussing it here. Is that? Yeah, because uh, you got it's it's a it's a different world, but it's the same whether I buy and sell or sell and buy. Yeah. We'll what, get what, we'll, we'll get right to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, uh, that's a good segue. But um, just want to offer everyone else uh, an opportunity to share their highlights of what they know so far. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Anybody else, or shall we actually? What Dan, Dan did a really great uh, overture, <laughs> sticking with the classical music uh, analogy. He really did a great overture. So shall we open the curtains and talk about it, guys? Let's do it then. Okay. So Kevin Moses, uh, I need you guys to uh, do provide us with a quick summary of what happened. Actually, tell us what happened uh, in the uh, GameStop and. And uh, why did it hit the news? So maybe know. I'll maybe, maybe if Moses is okay, I'll, I'll start with GameStop. The the fact that I I offered uh, Jonathan to come on and talk a little bit about GameStop because I actually happen to know a little bit about the company. You know, in my days of doing research on the stock, uh, this is probably at least 10, 12 years ago. I actually did a deep dive on 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 the company in and out. I visited them. And I talked to management. But anyway, so the the whole spiel on sorry, Moses, are you okay with that? Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, the valuation, you know, the company, all yours, man. Okay, I'm not going to talk about it in detail. I'll, I'll do a very quick overview. I mean, GameStop basically they say video games, hardware, softwares, accessories. You can sell your games back to them and get some money back, and you can buy your new games. So they're in that business, and they've been around for eons. And the the theme of the company going bankrupt has, is not brand new. It's been around for at least 10, 15 years since the day of Blockbuster, because that's the easiest comparison people can re relate to. 
Um, and you know, to 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 turn to a certain extent, there's some fairness to why people think GameStop will go out of business as everything moved towards digital. There's, they shouldn't have a business, right? And that's fair enough, right? And that's easy to understand and, and cling to. Um, where the market, I think, sometimes gets it wrong is that GameStop surf, they're probably the only specialty video games players out there. And yes, you could download games, but not everybody does it or, or not everybody can do it. So the the fact that there's tons of customers still have to rely on these stores, they still have a business model. And so, you know, that's why people think they're the next blockbuster, they're gonna go away, has been around for a long time, it'll continue to, to go around. And has their business suffer a little bit because of internet downloading, games downloading? Yes, but to the extent, are they a zero? In my opinion, no. So that's the overall view of why people think GameStop going to zero and how it's related to uh, short selling and why hedge fund and everybody else kind of wants them to die. And in terms of the short selling mechanism, maybe I'll leave that more to uh, Moses then. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna plug in some questions for you, Kevin. There, um, yes, um, that thesis has not been going away. But having said that, like you know, people thought um, DVD rentals in your blockbuster analogy were, were not going away, right? Like, I mean, GameStop does have a lead in that position. But having said that, um, if you look at the newer consoles, they are like the games are getting so big that like, they are only really downloadable. Um, and you've also seen systems where nintendo where they've made their old um non sorry their their old cartridge or hard media games available online as well and so you know GameStop's bread and butter is that transaction of used games on hard media which they were selling i believe at an average of five dollars like it you know at, at current retail um you know gna like uh uh expenses like store expenses like that's that that gets to be pretty hard to um, to to continue fueling, especially in a um, dying industry. Like it may be a slow death, but you know, it, you know, yeah, absolutely, it is absolutely, eventually going away. Yeah, so, absolutely. I think there, there's, yeah. there's uh, that the thesis stands, and how fast or that will happen is nobody really knows. Um, you know, the, the, the. I guess the bulls and the bear will continue to argue, right? You know, yes, download games are available. Um, you know, I think the last few generation of games are probably at sixty to eighty gigs, and now they're like hundred and twenty, right? So. Mm-hmm. How long does it take to download a game? Are you better off buying it? So it depends on your situation, where you live. Are you in a big city? Do you have fast internet or not? And one can argue, right, in U.S., you know, good amount of population still doesn't have fast enough internet to download these games. But, you know, we can argue, go back and forth. Um, um, what people don't realize, um, GameStop stores are small. Their leases are like one to three years on average. They can close stores very quickly, um, as as Moses says. As when they need to close store, they should continue to close stores. And so it's it's this put and take to see. Okay, their business model is under attack. Um, can they somehow reinvent themselves? And how long do they have? Are they a zero today? No, not in my mind. But what is that then is arguable. Yeah. So what so what happened then? 
uh, like now that we know who GameStop is, uh, what, why, why are they on the news? I don't honestly, I don't, I think the reason why they're on the news was the um, magnitude of the short squeeze that they underwent. Um, so uh, a couple things uh, you guys alluded to was um, short selling. Um, short selling is, well, I mean, to make money, you go long uh, a stock, right? So the, the premise of making money in, in stocks or in any security is you buy low, sell high, right? Hoping in the, in the hopes that what you've bought, you think is going to grow or do better um, and, and, or is mispriced. Um, and so you are buying now in the hopes that it's worth more later on. Now, you can take a separate view, right? So you can sell it if you don't believe in the story anymore, but you can also make money by selling high, buying low. The term short means that you don't own the security because technically you, it's impossible to, to sell first if you don't own it first, right? But I think some people think short selling is what causes stocks to go down. And I think that's, that's a misnomer because just because you take a view doesn't mean it's going to happen. And if you like the price of stock is based on supply and demand. And so by, if there's more buyers than, than sellers, then the stock goes up. If there's fewer buyers than sellers, then the stock can go down. Um, short selling may add some like liquidity or, or volume to that on the, on the, the uh, supply side. But at the end of the day, we have, um, we have a number of different kind of measures to kind of prevent that. One, um, I think it was John, you alluded to it, is that you have to borrow it. So in order to short a stock, you actually have to borrow the stock. So it has to be made available by someone that owns the stock and they will actually make money on, on that. Um, and the borrow rate could be very little uh, or it could be very, very high. And so if, you know, borrow rate could be in the order of say 50 basis points, like half a, half a percent. Um, and so whoever's shorting the stock has to pay that um, on a daily basis or a weekly basis, but on a like 2% or half a percent annualized. When the stock gets very, very shorted and there's less um, liquidity going around, um, it can get very high. So if you look at um, in the height of the volatility of the cannabis um, coming to market, um, some of the borrow rates were 300%. So in order to short a $10 stock, you'd have to pay $30 in interest a year in order to short it. Um, and so the costs of short selling are not zero. Um, and that's, those, those are one of the, the measures in place to kind of limit um, the extent of short selling. Um, and then the other thing is uh, in certain places, certain marketplaces have implemented what's known as the uptick rule. So you can't just sell a stock or short a stock um, into the bid. The, the last trade has to be at least uh, a tick or in most cases a penny higher than the previous one in, before you can sell it. So it limits the extent of how short sellers, if they wanted to try and force the market, could continue to hammer the market down. Whereas a, a long seller or, or someone that owns a stock has no limits to how much they can push the stock down just by selling a lot in a short amount. Yeah, like they they don't really have need that. Um, yeah, they um, get squeezed, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So the squeeze is 
uh, comes also to um, margin requirements. So in order to short a stock, um, the the theoretical loss of shorting a stock is uh, in, infinity versus the theoretical um, loss of owning a stock. Because if you own a stock at $10 and it goes to zero, the max you can lose is what you've put into it, the $10. But if you short a stock at $10, hoping it goes to five, but it goes to $20, you've lost all your money, right? Because you've lost ten, the $10. If it goes to $20, you owe another $10. Um, margin requirements are such that um, it, it's to protect the uh, custodian, to protect the, um, the brokers, because technically until that stock has arrived in your account or left your account, it's, it's a liability of the intermediary. And so what happens is they place margin requirements, meaning that you have to show that you have at least how much money in your account to cover for um, a potential loss. Um, and so in a short squeeze is that if it jumps a lot and you get a margin call, you have to either sell enough securities or buy enough securities, or you know you have to basically right size your account. Um, and if it gets so high that it's not within your decision as to how to do it, then the brokerages will make that decision for you and they will end your position at whatever price it is. You can't even say like, for example, because the margin is based on account level, you could say, Hey, I'm going to move funds into this. I'm going to, I'm going to, or I'm going to sell other stocks because I believe that this, this short position is still worth it because once I exit it, I have to take that loss. And so, in a margin call where the broker makes that decision, then that means, for example, uh, on a stock that goes from $20 to $400, um, you're forced to, to exit your short thesis at 20 times, meaning you've lost 20 times your, your money. Um, I think there are other things that have kind of come into um, the discussion. If you look at the SDC um, hearing, um, some of it has been um, in terms of the, on the professional side, um, dark pools, uh, some of it has been, um, high frequency trading, uh, or market makers. Um, and then I think if you look at what is really kind of, or really should be the center of the discussion would be collusion and market manipulation. Um, and I'll touch on those. Uh, in terms of just pause, just pause for sure. one. So um, we just like uh, uh, I think Moses just uh, gave us a, and Kevin just gives us a synopsis of what happened with GameStop. Then is uh, basically the, of a short squeeze, and yeah. uh, we're heading into the collusion part, which is the Reddit guys, right? So uh, before we go into the whole thing about the uh, the Reddit guys, and then uh, Ruben could jump in on that. Uh, is there any questions to, uh, uh, amongst, um, because it, it kind of got technical. So I'm just wondering if there are any questions, uh, from the, from us. Just a quick comment. I don't yeah. know if he's going to, I don't know when he, if he's going to get to it, but, uh, one, you know, sometimes people just come out of nowhere and overprice, overpay for shares. Uh, other times those, those shares are heavily promoted at a very high cost. Like Tesla. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm thinking I'm most, my world is mostly penny stocks, but the, um, but you know, when I, when I short something, I, I'm competing with who knows, there could be millions of dollars being allocated towards a, an aggressive promotion mm -hmm. to, to get people to overpay for shares. Yeah. 
and they yeah. make they make the the charters sound like they're the bad guys and and yeah. but the guys that are behind the company that are over promoting it they're they're the saints i i, I guess yeah that which is a uh, heading to the collusion uh okay the collusion uh, and the manipulation uh, uh conversation okay. coming up but uh how about the technicalities right now uh anybody else who has any questions about the technicalities of what a short selling is um basically i think uh um is what moses is saying is that uh you know short sellers do not own the stock uh and uh they borrow it so it's it's only and uh and once they borrow it they um they sell it off but then there will be a coming time when they have to buy it back right in order to pay back whoever they borrowed from right and then uh but then uh what moses said is that uh short selling is not cheap either there is a rate a um a transaction fee right can i say that moses is a transaction fee almost uh well it's a you're boring so yeah, there's a there's an interest yeah charged. interest yeah interest charge on it so it's like a it's like a mortgage basically and then uh, um and basically what i'm thinking is this mortgage is just a very short term mortgage where you have to pay right pay soon <laughs> rather than a typical house mortgage right you have to pay right away well that's the thing right like when you short it you you're agreeing to pay that interest rate for the duration of when you um when you uh when you how long you want to borrow it for yeah right? and how long you want to hold that thesis um yeah. i think your what your your analogy is great right because on a, a, a mortgage you are you know you have an expectation of when you're going to pay that back um what a margin call would be is when it unexpectedly ends or let's say and and you know it's the same thing right if you buy a house and the value of the house falls too much which we've seen you will get what's called a foreclosure because the bank well you either have to put up the cash to to um uh because the bank will only guarantee a certain value of the house right and if if you're borrowing more than what the house is worth they get worried that you can't borrow and they're stuck with nothing um yeah. and so in a foreclosure they decide to sell the house for you yeah and you're stuck with still owing them whatever and in the same way that's a margin call right it's an unexpected end to that contract yeah i just wanted to ask to clarify for uh if you're trying to short something you have already put a timeline on it right so like you're saying i'm going to buy it back at a certain date and there's no, no Nope, you you you, you don't you, you you can you can hold or you can short it for as long as you want as long as um you know the value is still lower uh, or low enough that you you've met your margin requirements. Yeah. Technically, if whoever you borrow from sells it, then they um, you'd have to find a new borrow. I guess I'll add to that. I think most is saying that when someone enters into a short, they probably want to buy it back at some point in time. Say you short at ten dollars, want to buy it back at five. Is it a month, six months, three months? No, he, he or she may not even know, but it will be a function of how much it costs to maintain that borrow market condition and stuff like that. And once you enter into that short, maybe someone wants to call back the, the, the short. You don't know that. Um, so there's a lot of variations in between. Um, so that's where, you know, I think in this situation, the GameStop with all the volatility, all, it's almost like a perfect storm. Everything happened at the same time, which kind of create this huge squeeze that nobody, well, not nobody expected. Nobody see to extend this, ha this happening. Right. Any other questions before we move on to the, really the, uh, the stuff that happened, like the collusion and the manipulation? All right. 
let's move on to that that part. Yeah, let's uh, take a look. So Moses, continue on with your uh, talk about the collusion and uh, manipulation. Well, yeah, I guess in the uh, professional side, um, on the capital market side, um, all the participants are what what are known as regulated participants. They all know um, the rules of the game, and there are very strict rules as to what they're allowed to say, what they're allowed to do, what they're allowed to. Um, how they're allowed to transact in the marketplace, um, you know, like things like there's very strict rules as to like, you know, if if I've done work and I'm subject to uh, non-public material, sorry, material non-public information, I, I can't disclose that. And I, I cannot let that affect the way I trade. Um, it happens all the time in, in, in my work. Um, and there's also things that you're not allowed to do, such as manipulate the market. Um, you're not allowed to go out there and pump a stock or promote a stock. Um, and I think if you look at um, the provincial securities commissions or the SECs, those are the guys that get in the most trouble, right? Usually the hearings are with regulated professionals. They get brought in and they're like, okay, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do it wrong? Um, did you break the rules? Usually retail guys, guys that are not regulated, they don't because they're not subject to those or I mean, they're not expected to know the rules, right? Having said that, everyone knows that pumping and dumping a stock um, collusion is wrong. Like, uh, you know, and, and in the regulated side, I think so far you've seen the most collusion being, um, you know, in LIBOR, like um, guys that control the market um, getting together and, um price fixing okay now yeah so here's a question for you then yeah, yeah um okay when you said about the regulated versus the retail maybe just clarify that are you saying that the regulated ones are usually the ones with the high enough capital to do this stuff and the retail ones are just these mom paws like little nickels and dimes type of thing no regulated ones are the ones that are professionals as in like the ones that are um so on the sell side they'd be um the brokers oh, okay 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 um, on the buy side, they would be the fund managers, right? Guys that are educated in this. Um, oh, not like your Robinhood app guy. Like, no, it's, it's, it's guys that have a client Okay. and it's, you're regulated so that to protect the clients, right? Just like in real estate, the real estate brokerages are a self-regulated profession, but they're regulated because they want to make sure that the retail, the non-educated buyers and sellers are, um, are protected. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Just to clarify. I um, had a few comments here, if, uh, if you don't mind, Moses. Yeah. Um, uh, and maybe you you allude to this a little later too. But I, if, I guess even in the professionals, I say on the buy side, the fund managers, right? They are allowed to share ideas. They are allowed to share their thesis, whether publicly or in their own, or be to, over dinner or with their clients. They can kind of share the view what they intend to. I own this stock because I like one, two, three, four, five, or I don't like it because of A, B, C, D, E. They are allowed to do that. Correct. Correct. Okay, so I guess, um, and the I, I think the related comment is that you know the the so-called Reddit, right? I mean, yes, it's a. I mean, rewind a decade, you don't have a Reddit, but you still have your Yahoo Finance forum for retail guys or even professional guys would discuss stock ideas or why they like or don't like it, or uh, they'll dis discuss it on on a website like. Know, stock house i think in canada is probably still around like you know forum boards where people discuss these stuff and there's no it's not illegal 
until there's some sort of a collusion where it is is meant to harm other people i guess that's that's probably where the differentiation is right am i correct moses yeah absolutely um there's a number of different mediums um like currently as well, let's let's go back like there's been always been newsletters that people pay to follow um there's always been um message boards i think is what they're called or bulletin boards there's also been bull boards that have gone through the different mediums and yeah now we have reddits um and you know we we saw something like this kind of in the early days of the internet.com boom um you know when we first saw kind of widespread usage of um the internet and then now even more with reddits um and now also with something called discord discord is kind of like a mirc kind of chat room but you know on a on a mobile app it's just a different technology um so collusion is when different parties get concerted together to make a change and there are ways to do it legally there are ways to do it illegally it, you know if you if you disclose then uh, if you disclose and and have an early warning sign typically like for, for example if you start owning more than 10% of a stock you have, you're considered an insider um and before you hit that 10%, you actually have to publicly disclose that I now own more than 10% of the stock along with related. And um, if you have related parties within an arm's length, you have to disclose that as well. Um, I think with the immense usage, widespread use of Reddit, um, you have enough of uh, a movement that has caused um, a collective uh move in the stock uh one that's probably representative of more than one that's accumulating 10 percent of, of a stock uh so you don't have that disclosure and as kevin says you you're allowed to say things um you just have to have the proper disclosure as to like what you're doing why you're doing it whether or not you've already entered into position or not with reddit there's no requirements to do that right the problem with and and like people have likened reddit to collusion um i don't doubt that the effect is the same but it's hard to argue collusion only because yes, you have people that um, are pushing for it and saying things like that, but there's nothing that's saying that everybody else in that forum is doing it at the same time or has the exact same view. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and the other big no, no that we have is if regulated prof professionals don't disclose that they're, they're, they're regulated and use those mediums to um, enact an effect that helps them on the, on the professional side. Right. So um, that's why um, one of the big stars of um, Wall Street bets, um, his name on the on YouTube is Roaring Kitty. His nickname on or his handle on Wall Street bets is uh, Deep Effing Value. Um, he's he got in trouble because he has a CFA. And so. People, you know, it calls into question as to whether or not he's um, he's abusing his the Reddit forum for professional use. But like he's on the education side, he's he owns a CFA, which is a regulated title. If um, but um, I think Kevin knows more about the CFA than than I do. Um, but he's always put out disclaimers, saying that hey, this is a personal view. Uh, I I I that everyone else needs to do their own research. Um, and I don't believe that anything he said has ever been to call for collusion. Um, so there's an implied collusion in that people follow him and want to do the same thing as him. 
but he's never told people, hey, let's do this. So what happened at Reddit? Was there somebody that said, let's all do this? Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, there, there are people on Reddit that goes, yeah, let's, let's get these in like in very colorful terms. Let's, let's screw over these hedge funds, these short sellers. And they figured out that the hot, most highly shorted stocks are the ones where you can squeeze someone. So it wasn't just um, uh, GameStop. It was also, as Almira um, said, it was also AMC, the big short thesis on, you know, theaters in the pandemic. And I think that's a very valid thesis. Um, Blackberry is another one. Um, that's probably the most famous Canadian one that, that was in the list. But, you know, the SEC, actually, it wasn't the SEC. It was like the brokerages that tried to limit some of this because they were having settlement issues. Um, and so what they did was they started shutting down stocks for short selling, uh, not allowing certain um, people to short in certain markets. I don't know that I, I personally, I don't think that that's the right, right move to do because you saw what happened. It was, it was playing whack-a-mole. You shut down GameStop, they moved to AMC. You shut down AMC, they moved to BlackBerry, right? They like, then you see in the forums saying, Hey, let's, what's the next most shortened stock. Mm-hmm. And that's where you, you realize that the thesis, you know, the, the, the motive behind a lot of the Reddit investors is not about, is there a mispricing of the, of the stock? Right. It's more about getting even. Exactly. Um, I mean, put it this way. Prior to all this, GameStop was trading at what, $16, $17? It hit a peak of 483, like close of 483. Is there anything that's fundamentally changed to make it worth 20 times as much, 25 times as much? I don't think so, right? Um, the CEO of GameStop prior to all this was worth $8 million. Um, you know, at his peak, he was worth over a billion dollars. Um, I'm sure that if the CEO is probably trying to figure out how, how, he, how much he can sell his stock. Um, but I think the SEC stepped in to do a hearing to try and figure out all this because um, in my view, um, it's hard to prove the collusion, but they have to figure out a way because what they have, have obliged themselves is to conduct fair and orderly markets. And I think anyone can can agree that um, in all this, we did not have fair and orderly markets. I'll add a few comments here. Um, sure. sure. After I Kevin, think... uh, after Kevin adds a comments, I wouldn't mind to have Ruben jump in because yeah, hey, I think is... it would lead perfectly to it because I'll address yeah. a little bit of like social media and stuff like that. Yep. Um, I think you know this uh, uh, roaring kitty person who started out all this, good intent. He find a what he thinks is an undervalued stock discuss it in publicly in a forum some buy it some don't and it's perfectly fine and where when i refer to the perfect storm when everything happened i think the robin hood gang or reddit started more like a second or third phase of this insanity right what started out as perfectly legitimate you know if you can hate all the hedge fund you want you can hate the shorts if you want that's fine you can create a short squeeze right and then it just added lots of oil to the fire where you know robin hood is free trading is basically you know you can short you can buy derivative it's all relatively easy right and it just added to the fire where it's it became a gambling to 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 this group of 
I can't, I can't call them investors because they're speculators, right? Zero research. They basically go in and say, oh, yeah, let's join the fund kind of thing. And I think that's where social media doesn't help. Not that they're the, the, the bad guys, but it doesn't help. And so this probably kind of leads towards the next discussion, more like ethical social media issues then. Right. Ruben, it's yours now. <laughs> the social media side. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a great summary overall. Um, I think what, what's interesting about Wall Street bets, you know, it's been around for something like 10 years or something. And it's clear that it's much more philosophical than on the fundamentals, as Kevin and Moses mentioned. They're not really looking at this is where the company might go. And I think after they, they sort of justify it, it's like, oh no, you know, GameStop makes sense, it'll be around, but it was definitely much more emotional. And I mean, you imagine a lot of the people on it, right? Mostly young, they skew young. And, you know, after the next stimulus bill, there was something like $3,000 that were given out in the US, right? So imagine you're like 20 years old, you get a couple thousand bucks, you don't really need the money. So their mindset was, you know, they're broke, they might as well spend it in this once in a lifetime event of the, the GameStop, and it doesn't really matter where it goes. You don't care if you lose it or not. So you're going to stick around and maybe you'll keep buying. So that, that's a, <laughs> I think that was really hard for the hedge funds to deal with because uh, I think the, the the main hedge fund was saying that, you know, they, um, or the, the phrase in Wall Street bets was that they could remain, you know, they could remain irrational longer than the hedge funds could, re could remain solvent. And that was kind of what happened, right, at the, towards the end of it. Hmm. Um, I also think there's now the, the, the hedge funds will remain insolvent faster oh. than the, the Wall Street bets investors would became rational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the social media part, I think we're also seeing a rise of celebrity investors and maybe they're, I think they've been around for a long time. I imagine in TV and, you know, online communities, but now they have a little bit more power, right? You look at Elon Musk and he'll tweet, whatever about Bitcoin, right? And Bitcoin will drop by 10%. Um, and it's not really based on anything. It's just based on whatever respect you might have for Elon Musk or Mark Cuban or any other these investors. So now they get to drive a lot of uh, stocks and of course, cryptocurrency based purely on what they might think, which might or might not be true. You know, for a long time, there was always a sense that Wall Street had insiders, right? That sort of knew what was going on, but they were kind of pretending, right? That not everyone really knows what's going on. But the celebrity investors are pretending more that they, they do know what's going on and sort of this is the future and, you know, follow them along the way. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a lot of factors. And now you have much more power over individual people, whether it's Elon Musk or um, the Warren Kiddis guy. And it just so happened to be a time of a lot of money flowing around in the economy and nowhere to go except stocks hmm. yeah it's interesting what ruben says in terms of you know whatever medium does whatever type of social media you know we're in this age where anybody a nobody a very famous person can go on twitter for example i'll just use that example make a comment and if it hits viral everybody will see it look back 10 20 years well you can't do the same i could post on a forum or, or bulletin board, a lot of people don't see it. If I only happen to be there, then I can see it, right? So the, the way I guess to reaching the reaching like, the number of people is how easy that can be done is concerning. Uh, and this kind of leads into whether it's fake news, real news, legit news or not, like, 
and a lot of people take it for what they see, right? There's unfortunately little critical thinking behind just because somebody says something doesn't mean it's true or worthwhile. And unfortunately, we're in this world. So the ethical part is, is tough, <laughs> right? There's, there's obligation on both the person who's posting it and the person who's reading it. So it's quite interesting. Mm. So it seems like there's like a little bit of a, so I want to go back to collusion because it seems like that's the easiest target to determine ethics, right? Uh, collusion, because collusion seems like it's, a, it's for actually a, uh, a negative impact. Like, um, you know that the, um, when Moses said like uh, collusion is to uh, exasperate a, a, a stock or overinflate a stock, right? That's when they collude. And that's not a good thing because like uh, collusion is actually to hurt somebody else. Right. So that's that's a simple target to have ethics. So I wonder, uh, there's a good question about social media then. Like, um, I yeah, guess... I, I think I think social media should be brought into it. Like, uh, I think um, uh, Ruben talked about Elon Musk and his tweeting. Um, Elon is not a regulated professional, but he is the um, CEO of two publicly traded um companies and has a huge following but i want to remind people that um he has gotten into trouble over his tweets before by saying things like um you know by saying things like oh the saudis are going to invest in in tesla when they haven't hadn't been having those discussions yeah, fully yeah um and as part of his settlement with the sec his social media posting was supposed to go under um supervision and obviously he has not, he has continued to continue, he has continued to tweet without supervision. And I think that that is uh, an issue as well. So, like, um, so now we're into the ethical side. So do you think then the guys that um, Ruben, Kevin and Moses, do you think that social media should be actually regulated as well for collusion? No, not in my books. It's, it's a tool. It's a it's just a different, it's not even a different tool. It's just how we use the tool. It's the intent of the users, right? Um, yeah. Just because somebody says something doesn't make it true. Does it have an effect on the market? Yes, but you know, it's not different than me taking a front page of whatever newspaper and if people buy it and have the same effect, then well, is it collusion, right? So in my books, no. I agree yeah, with Kevin. I think, oh, go yeah, ahead. I think it's tricky. Yeah. That's okay. Social media in general, yeah, it'd be hard to to regulate that for this. I mean, maybe individuals, as uh, Moses or Kevin was saying, you know, Elon. I mean, Elon Musk has said things that have driven the Tesla stock up or down in what maybe was favorable conditions for whatever he was trying to do. Uh, that that seems to be more the realm of public companies and public disclosure and what it means to be a representative of, of a public company, a CEO or a chairman. But some of the other stuff, I think it's. It's still too early, right? Like what he does to Bitcoin, the Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin. I mean, who knows? No one regulates that. And that yeah. that's uh it seems to be more about as a consumer, you might lose a lot of money, you might win a lot of money, who knows? Uh, but that's um yeah, I don't know about that. That's uh <laughs> that's a trickier question. Yeah. No, we got two minutes left. <laughs> Way to go. Okay, sorry. Two minutes left, or maybe a little bit more, if you could allow us to have another minute or so. Uh Let's go back to the uh, ethical side of short selling then. Uh, I actually brought up a, um, a little um, snippet, a quote from Investopedia. Uh, and this is probably to help, uh, you know, because Almira actually brought up the question, the, the point about, you know, how, and Dan, how short selling has been, you know, negatively seen. So uh, I brought up the, this quote here, like short selling is perhaps one of the most 
misunderstood topics in the realm of investing. In fact, short selling are often reviled as callous individuals who are only out for financial gain at any cost without regard to companies and livelihoods destroyed in the short selling process. Worse, short sellers have been labeled by some critics as being unethical because they are betting against the economy. So uh, that's what I got. Uh, and of course, you know, Investopedia says, no, this is wrong. But this is what the, uh, I think, uh, Dan, I think you agreed to that. This is pretty much a general media of media message, right? Of what short sellers are. And um, so uh, can, Kevin and Moses, like, yep. uh, what was your, eth how, would you, how do you see short selling? Like in principle, I, anyways. I don't, the concept of short selling, I don't have an issue with. Um, just like buying a stock is the exact reverse. And I think it's the intent on, and how you go about doing it by market participant where it gets into trouble. For example, you know, hedge fund goes out, talk, talk down, I guess, talk, talk up their books or talk up on the, on the short selling and, and basically trash a company. And there might be some half truth to that. That's where they get into trouble and how media picks up and then paint them as the bad guys. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, there's short selling can be used as a hedging tool, which is perfectly fine. I short, I short Home Depot and I'm long Lowe's, for example, because I think one company does better than the other. So, you know, I'm in the same industry. So, you know, th that's perfectly fine. But it's the ones that are quite damaged say saying, oh, it could be fraud, which there could be. But it's the way they paint themselves, how they present their story that I have a real issue with it because, yeah, it's just the way they go about doing it. So ethical, I'm OK with it is how about their doing it is unethical, unethical sometimes. Yeah. Moses? Oh, how else who doing it? The shorters? Sorry? You're using they a lot. I don't know which one you're talking about. Yeah, side. short short sellers. It, certain short sellers, how they present themselves, how they present their idea and skew some of the facts. Sometimes there's there's certain participant has issues. Uh, I have issues with. Skewing, skewing facts. Uh, see, I mostly deal in the smaller companies. And man, I'll tell you, they... When they're promoting something, they'll I see them all the time. Take a twenty cent or the two dollars, and the and the company's worth five cents. Sure, yeah, like, to me it happens on both sides, both long and short, right? And so they because Jonathan's question is why the media paint them such a bad picture. Well, right. it's it's in a way how they behave, how they present their shorts. How do they present their shorts? So you're you're you're, you're talking a very small select group, probably. You you group them all as yeah, they're, 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 you're you're saying how they present themselves. They're very most of the time they're very stealth. They're in. They're shorting. They're not doing anything. They're just they just play. Well, for example, right? Like the reason why like people, uh, industry group gets a bad rep because of limited number of participants. That's how it typically goes. In the case of a hedge fund blowing up because of GameStop, well, if they didn't talk up their books, for example, maybe if they have more risk management in place, you you wouldn't have an issue. Or certain short sellers out there, I think, uh, not Carson Block, maybe another guy, say, oh, they stopped short selling because of all the social media attack. Well, if you haven't promote your shorts that much, maybe you wouldn't be in this in the first place, right? So it's just how they act about it, not you, the actual short of the use, mechanism. Yeah, you use they a lot. And and I and I think you're, and you're, and you're using a one case like GameStop, which is a very unusual case. 
I would venture to say 99% of the short sellers are very stealth. They don't say anything. They're not, they're not doing it. They just make a bet on, 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 on the, on the stock. They think the stock has been overpriced for some reason or other. And sure. Yeah, that, that's why I say it's a perfect, you're, you're, it's a perfectly shorting. It's a good mechanism as hedge management, or you have a short-term view. If you do it stealthily, like you said, as I said, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, issues with it, right? That's how I started my uh, right. answers. I have no issue with short selling. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think to round you, it off, uh, this is how I understood uh, Kevin's uh, present uh, argument: is that there's no, there's uh, short selling is just a tool. There's nothing wrong with the tool. It's the intent of using the tool, and uh, and some uh, some folks like just like going long, right? Uh, some people like over like a uh, like over promote and overvalue a stock that it's like does not even based on fundamentals, it doesn't make sense for the stock to be that high. But it's because of like what Moses said, celebrity, uh, celebrity investors, right? So I think what Kevin is saying is that uh, the reason why short sellers have gotten through a bad rap is like case in point, this movie right here. <laughs> right <laughs> and uh, you know other promoters are like uh, people who have uh, this type of propaganda so hence that's why uh, we have this uh, um uh this negative uh view of short sellers uh it's because right. of just a, min a minority people that tend to be on the news and that's all and so um i just want to like, conclude this uh, uh meeting with just one thing uh for, wait can uh, i add go in? ahead can I yeah sure okay. go ahead I was going to say conclude with a final word from somebody. And if that somebody is you, go for it, Moses. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 My, my view on short selling, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with short selling. I don't have a problem with Reddit. I don't have a problem with any of these mediums. I think it's a, it's a part of public speech. Um, you know, your, your, your right to free speech. I think it's a, um, it's different. Uh, it's, you know, no different than taking a long position. Um, just the opposite. Um, I, at the end of the day, short selling is the same as selling, just being able to sell before you buy. Um, and I think that, um, you know, just like I, I think everyone should have the right to disseminate uh, information, um, you know, even short sellers, if they choose to promote their views, it's no different, as Dan said, as, got, uh, you know, stock promoters that go out and, and, and pump the view. You just have to know who you're talking about. Uh, who who you're talking to or, or or reading from, I think honestly, my view is that um, the biggest my biggest issue with um, Robinhood, a lot of these guys that want to democratize capital markets for all, um, you know, uh, even when I see the ads for Wealth Simple, um, some of these new kind of free trading apps, is that um, a big part of um, giving access to end investors is know your the concept of know your client um and knowing your client is to give them as much access as they are ready prepared for um educated for um and i think a big part of the online app process has been um uh, has, has failed in the know, know your clients um as a example there was one kid who i think mm. was like 19 or 20 about a year ago um misread or got uh or or had account information miscommunicated to him and as a result he um on an options position he uh committed suicide that's really sad and like honestly in capital markets some people are gonna make money some people are gonna lose money um if you know what you're you're getting yourself into then that's fair 
right? I mean, it's no different than our gambling ads for BC Gaming, right? Know your limit, play within it. Um, but the problem is with a lot of these apps when where you just kind of click through on an application, you can open up a leverage margin account. You can open up a short selling account, which is leverage. Um, you can open up an options trading account, which also is leverage. And even if you took out short selling and op the options market allows you to take a short position. Um, and whenever you talk about leverage, you are in a world where you can lose more than you had. And I think that these apps are doing a disservice by letting people click in. Like, honestly, even, even prior to these apps, right? Like, um, if you want to open up an options trading account, all you have to say is how many years of experience do you have in trading options? And I could lie and, and write five or 10 years and, and be given an options account. The, the amount of due diligence um, for opening for, for uh, a vendor to open account for, for the individual investor is getting lower and lower. And I think that's a huge disservice to the industry. And I think that's where the ethical side of things come into play then. Absolutely. Can I, can I just ask one quick question? Yep. So in the big short, were the, were, the, uh, were the guys shorting the villains or was it the other guys? These guys were shorting the, uh, um, the housing, uh, yeah. the housing. Yeah. They were, yeah. and, and what were they trying to do? They were trying to expose one of the biggest frauds in history. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So were the, were the shorters the good guys or the bad guys? That's funny because at the end of the movie, he was uh, the uh, the this the Steve Carell's yeah. character was yeah. actually in a dilemma, right, of whether yeah. he should make money or not, or you know sell his shorts or not, right? Right. And uh, yeah, it was interesting because um, he gained. But the but, big, the big, yeah. the big fraudsters were the were the other side, though. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think which is which is what it is uh, many times. Dan makes up a point. Like I think Cars and Block, Muddy Waters was famous for um, really exposing Chinese companies originally. Yeah. Had a lot of fraud, right? So the most famous one in Canada is Sino Forest. Yeah. Um, where, you know, everyone bought into it thinking this was the largest like forest, forestry land in, in China. And what they didn't realize was like when the otters go over and they like, I mean, you're, 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 you're supposed to do an audit. So they find North American auditors to, to go over and audit their land. They're like, hey, uh, this is our land. And they're like, okay, sure. Like, I mean, who's going to mark the borders? How do you know where the borders are? Yeah. When you look over a mine and they're like, this is our mine. And one guy goes, uh, I was just here, like, I think two years ago with another company. And they said this mine was theirs. They just kind of flipped the sign and changed the name on the sign. Like, it's, there is sure. still a lot of fraud, right? Um, and, I th there are studies out there that have looked at whether or not um, short selling is um, not good for the markets. And by and large, if I've looked at all the technical um, studies, I think there were three classic ones. They, they have all concluded that one, it helps expose fraud. And two, um, that pricing of the valuation or pricing of the security is more efficient. Yeah, that's what I've read too. And I think uh, uh, for me personally, what I took from this is uh, I concluded that, uh, you know, short selling is like long selling. It's like going long. It's like any tool. Um, and I just use a simple example of a knife, right? Uh, one could use it to cut bread. Another could use it to kill somebody, right? It's a matter of the, the end user of like of your client. What's he going to do with it and uh, how he's going to use it. And so I have nothing uh, personally. I don't have anything against uh, short selling either because I think it's a it's a great tool to keep people honest and also to just um, 
you know, like what Kevin used it for to hedge against something else, right? And, uh, but I think uh, like all tools, like social media, it can be misused. And like apps, it can be misused and it could be uh, the wrong intent. I think a lot of apps now these days, like well, simple, they're just out to just get make money. They're just out to just get the commissions to do the trade. They don't care about who it is. They just want the more trades and uh, they're just bookies. And so uh, I think the unethical people are actually those guys who are right now exploiting the uneducated. And so uh, hence, that's my final word. <laughs> All right. So uh, we are beyond the time. Uh, Almira, do you have anything else to add or have you gained much more? No, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. So uh, just a, a tag on, on what's coming up next month and for the following months, uh, we are going into another changing channels and talking about interpersonal skills of, uh, and there's going, we're going to base it on a book called Difficult Conversations. And so uh, if you already read it, awesome. If you haven't, it's an old book. Uh, it's, uh, it's entitled Difficult Conversations by uh, Douglas Stone. And uh, you don't need to read it to, in order to prepare yourself for the uh, TCC lunch exchanges. I'm just using this as just a guide to facilitate our discussions for the upcoming months. All right. Thank you all. And thank, uh, you. And thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, Amira. Thank you, Kevin, Carolyn, and Moses, and Ruben left already. Um, have a wonderful weekend, and I uh, hope to see you next month on our next lunch exchange. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.